It's been a better couple of weeks for Iowa football recruiting. After their big visit, they have hit the home run that they were looking for in seven of the nine guys that made their visits without an Iowa commitment have made their commitments now to the Hawkeyes. We talk about them, the future of recruiting as well. Brian Smith joins us here, Locked On Hawkeyes. You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, hit that subscribe button. It helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. We're joined once again by Brian Smith, our recruiting analyst here on Lockdown. A busy time of year starting to come to a close a little bit for you, Brian. So many commitments all across the country. It's that big time now. At least things slowing down just a little bit. How you doing? How you holding up? I, I'm starting to actually get sleep. It's it's a wonderful thing. I uh, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> the recruiting calendar has changed so much throughout the years, and and we talked last time about Iowa and the potential of getting every one of their in, uncommitted guys when they took their official visit a couple of weeks ago here, and there's still a chance of it. Two guys that they're still waiting on uh, that made those visits, but. You know, the recruiting calendar with the early signing day also happening in December here. Do they have it right? Is this the way that you believe it should be? Do we need to go back to when it was just the February signing day? Or even do we change that early signing day and make it in August? Make it before school starts because so many of these guys have already made their commitment, already feel like they know where they want to go. I don't think there's a great answer to any of it because unfortunately when the kids are signing, it's usually around the 20th of December. That's also when all the coaching changes happen. That's that's unfortunate. And football is a developmental sport. So having it before the season, especially for like offensive linemen, is rough. So, I mean, Iowa's obviously a developmental program. They're, they would, A lot of the kids they end up getting, they don't necessarily decide on offering until middle of their senior year. At least historically, it's changed a little, but it's tough. And then if you go all the way back to February – a lot of the kids aren't happy with that either. Coaches, you know, they don't want to be on the road in January. Their wives yell at them. Believe me, that is a thing. Um, no, no, like it's it's a big deal. So hopefully they can come up with something that's a little better. But I don't know how you do anything about the coaching being the changes happen in December, January. And it's right after the football season for the high school and the college program. I don't see a really good way to do it. So I'm, I'm not sure we can really improve it as much as that pains me. I was up to 19 commitments now in the class. We're going to talk about a couple of some of the newbies and some of the guys that have been committed for a while. I uh, want to start with this one, Drew Campbell. And he's a guy that I think everybody anticipated he was going to be a Hawkeye in this class. His older brother, Jack, obviously a great career with the Hawkeyes. And one thing when you go back to Jack and starting his first year when he was a freshman, and now over the last three seasons, hearing the way that Coach Ferentz talked about him as a leader, those leadership qualities. Now, Drew's a little bit different. He is pegged to be on the defensive line. They look him as a defensive end. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be a middle linebacker like Jack was. But what you see from him, and also a kid because of, obviously, what you saw from his older brother. I know Iowa State, Kansas State, they were also involved with him. But 
everyone pretty much knew, right? He was going to be a Hawkeye and, and maybe slow down some of the recruiting momentum he could have had if he didn't have the older brother that was a great Hawkeye. It would have been a rough household for Thanksgiving if he had picked the Cyclones. Can you imagine how that conversation would get? I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but no, I, I agree. Like, if you lose that recruiting battle, that's not a good sign for your recruiting class if you're Iowa either. But yeah, he was expected to go to Iowa. He's a defensive end that plays 100 mile an hour. He kind of fits the profile like his brother that's a kid that you're not going to out effort, and he just needs to add size. How big he gets dictates whether or not he ends up being a strong side end, eventually moving inside or something like that. that those things I'll let Iowa take care of, but his film was really consistent. Every play came off the snap hard, had a good burst, and he chased down the ball carrier. This is a kid that fits Iowa football to a T. It's certainly what you want. Another intriguing prospect, and this is one of the newbies in this class. We haven't had an opportunity to talk with you about, Brian, and that's K.J. Parker. Now, Iowa recruited him as a wide receiver. Most other programs recruited him as a cornerback. We know Iowa always in desperate need of wide receivers. That's a position that they've really struggled <laughs> recruiting. And A.J. Yes. Parker, he's fast. He's got the speed, and that's something that you definitely like there. But also that ability. And if it doesn't work out at wide receiver, well, we've seen plenty of times. Phil Parker, or maybe even Phil in August camp next year, gets his eyes on him and say, you know what? I think I can do something with this kid. What do you know about K.J. Parker? Well, first off, he can run, um, but his hips are looser than I had originally. I'd seen him before. I watched his film again today. He can spin and he can break down and make guys miss. Iowa needs a whole lot more of that in their offense. And I know that I'm speaking for all Hawkeye fans when I make that comment. So I just wish they got more of them so you could do more things with them. He's just a pure athlete. He's why the athlete spot on 247 and rivals is put in there. Then you just kind of plug and play. He could be a running back or a safety, a corner, whatever. But Iowa needs receivers. I would try him there first, too. But most teams would probably start him at corner because it's the hardest spot on the field to get guys to play. It's just ironic. It's the opposite for Iowa, which right. they might be the only school in the country with that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just the way it's worked. So I have a feeling that Iowa will figure it out. There's one thing they have that's very good coaching. So the speed and athleticism to get down the field – Mm -hmm. he's going to be able to do that. He could play as a freshman if he can figure out the playbook. What uh, other guy of the latest commitments, and that's Joseph Anderson. I saw yesterday on three updated their top 300. He made it into the top 300. This is a young man. We talked a little bit la a couple weeks ago with you about Kennedy. The kid from Air Prospect that just started playing football. His dad, Jimmy Kennedy, was a behemoth in the middle for Penn State and went on to be a first-round draft pick. Joseph Anderson, very similar. Now, his recruiting profile I think was a little bit more substantial than what we saw from Kennedy. All the Midwest teams were after him. Came down to Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Kansas State heavily involved, Oklahoma State. You know, those kind of Big 12 programs were after him. And a St. Louis kid, something that's been a pretty good pipeline for Iowa throughout the years, from Adrian Claiborne to Marvin McNutt. They've got some good ones there. Anderson, not a ton of film on him because he hasn't been playing football very long. But in the top 300 on three, that's an eye-opener. I was surprised at how long he was. He reminds me a lot of the kids that live down here in the state of Florida where I am because he's really long at the hip. He has a pretty good ability to get off the edge and come around the weak side. At some point on third and seven, you have to all but be able to tell the offensive tackle that I'm just going to go around you. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have that kind of explosiveness yet, but he's really thin. Like his upside in a weight program like Iowa's, you know, Iowa's famous for that, is really high. But again, 
You can't teach the length either. He fits the profile that you're looking for. Iowa needs more. Like we talk about receiver. This is something else that he just a pure pass rusher. Man, Iowa can really improve themselves with guys like this. And again, I trust their coaching staff. They've proven yeah. it for a long time. So really big pickup. They can't lose. This is a key thing here. Nebraska's going to be better. They've got a real coach there, a guy that, I mean, he's good. I know mm -hmm. Iowa fans probably hate Nebraska and all that, but yep, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be something that's going to be a battle constantly. Winning battles in Kansas City, winning battles, you know, all across Iowa, obviously, and in St. Louis, that's really important. So this is good for the Hawkeyes. You know, Joseph Anderson's also a track kid. In fact, he said he's going to yeah. try to run track at the University of Iowa. And with that frame, you just kind of think of that. It, a guy that's moldable, a guy that you can teach those moves. Yep. We talked about this before with you, Brian. Iowa does such a good job of just the fundamentals, the hand placement, all those things. And when you get the raw kind of talent, and a guy that has the track speed, he was, I believe, the state champion in the triple jump in the state of Missouri. I believe it. At 6'5", 210 pounds. I mean, that's really, really intriguing. It could be a fun one there with Joseph Anderson. Go to Brian's home state, the state of Florida, and another late commitment here for the Hawkeyes, Rashad Godfrey. Going to talk about him along with a target, Xavier Lucas. That's one of those guys that is still uncommitted that made their official visit a couple weeks back to the University of Iowa. We'll do that as we continue here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel, and you'll get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet $20, you'll land $200 in bonus bets. This is the best part. Win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything. Money lines, over-unders, who you think is going to hit the first home run. They got pitching props, hitting props, you name it. They have it at FanDuel, all on an app that's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Trey, kind of back with you here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, along with Brian Smith, our recruiting analyst here on the Lockdown Network. So we went to the break talking a little bit about Rashad Godfrey, a guy from your neck of the woods. And this is another one that's intriguing. He's got size. I've seen him listed 6'1", 6'2", a little bit more height than sometimes you're used to at the cornerback position. Safety cornerback, and I think that's kind of been the back and forth with a lot of programs. It sounds like initially, though, I was at least going to try him at cornerback. What can you tell us about Godfrey? He's from a program that's well-known for defense here in the state of Florida. Um, he from Tampa area, where I've lived for a long time, and he plays very aggressive. I've seen him in seven-on-seven. Seven. I've seen him play at his high school, et cetera. This is a kid that will like physicality. He won't back down from anybody. He's a typical Florida kid in that regard. He's got a little bit of swag that, that every defense needs. Now, to your point about whether or not he ends up playing safety, corner, nickel, I'll let Iowa figure that out. I'm not sure either, and it depends on what scheme you're going you're to do. I don't think he's necessarily a pure cover one guy like old school LSU was, but at the same time, he's a good athlete, and he'll find a niche. If I had to guess, I would say nickel is a spot that he'll play at some point because of his physicality, and he'll get involved with the run game. But again, like you said, he, he came up and he did well at, at their camp. They really liked him. They're going to give him a shot at corner. And if it doesn't work out there, safety is pretty easy bet. Yeah, that physicality that he brings, that's something that, that I thought was really intriguing with him. Now, he didn't have the big-time offers. It was out of the Power Five. It was Boston College and Duke. 
uh, were his major offers there. A lot of mid-majors were also involved. What kept away some of the ACC teams? And I'm not talking about, you know, a Clemson or a Florida State, but even that next tier down, what kept some of the Southern schools, you think, away from Godfrey? That's a good question because he plays at Armwood. It's like if you go recruit Tampa, that's an automatic stop. Mm -hmm. They've won state championships here in Florida, which speaks for itself. And they have kids that, you know, like Alabama goes by there every year. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not really sure what the deal is. He's not a bad kid. So my guess is, is just as good as yours. But if I, I was pretty picky. Yeah. So I, I, I can't, I mean, they're not going to suddenly take a bunch of chances on character issues. That's not who they are. So maybe it's just that he didn't have burner speed, which I don't think he does, but Iowa runs mostly a lot of cover two historically. So it's not going to matter that much anyway. So Maybe it's this is another classic Iowa steal. In three years, we're talking on this podcast about him being all, all Big Ten. I will not be shocked because that's what Iowa has done forever. Why would it be any different today? Very good point on that front. So mentioning Florida and one of the uncommitted guys, and that is Xavier Lucas. So he's a young man that looks like kind of the Big Ten West is after him, right? It's Illinois. It's Wisconsin. It's Iowa. Those are the three official visits that he's, t- that he's taken at this point in time. But I continue to hear Florida State is sniffing around. You know, that Florida State is kind of keeping him in arm's reach, right, if they miss out on a couple other prospects that that Lucas would be a kid that they'd be after. Let's just talk about him first, though, as a football player and what you see from Xavier Lucas. He's another kid that's a big DB. You know, can he play safety yet? Could he play corner? Yes. Has he played against top competition? Absolutely. He's in Broward which means Fort Lauderdale and per capita, it's the best place on planet earth for DBs, like literally. So I'd imagine this is a kid, Iowa, if they signed him, the following would transpire. You try him at corner, it doesn't work. We know you're playing safety. It's just straightforward. But his length is something that Iowa does not normally get. This is a kid that's got the extensions that you're looking for to play corner. I'm sure they would be in heaven if they could get him and it worked out him and the last guy we talked about. Yeah. Then you got all kinds of options at corner. That's what they want. But uh, getting Florida DBs, man, I'm telling you, the difference with them is the attitude. They carry a chip on their shoulder that is not really easy to explain, but they have no fear. So it fits the position well. And getting into Broward County is huge trial. You have to get some of those kids. Worked hard, and they've certainly had those guys. And I remember when Owen Kirk Ferentz was hired, and one of the first things that they did is – they went into Florida for the first time under Hayden Fry. That was not an area that they recruited very much. And one of the first guys that they got out of Florida, well, a couple of guys, Fred Barr in the middle linebacker, but also Benny Sapp. And those guys yeah. of course, went on, had really good careers. They had some outstanding ones, Colin Cole, another one from down in Florida. That's been an important part of Iowa's recruiting, and it's continued here throughout the years. Of course, the quarterback commit here in this class, James Rezar, also a Florida kid. So it's an important place. And Iowa knows, look, you can't just do it getting kids from Iowa in the upper Midwest. You have to reach out there. You got to have those pipelines to a Texas, to a Florida. And Iowa's done a really nice job of that throughout the years. I think that's something they'll continue to do. And if a few of these kids have success, that opens doors. I mean, everybody has a cell phone and they text each other. They all know each other. If you have one of these kids that comes in and does well, it opens the door for the next one. So that it just, you have to get somebody to hit pretty early though. I mean, is it going to happen? They got a running back from Florida that I happen to like was let's see, but uh, running back's not really a problem in Iowa very often. So always can be better though. And it's been a while, you know, Sean green had a really good career. You go back to Tyler Goodson, a kid from Georgia, 
just hasn't been able to stick at, stick at the next level and always looking and always looking for those next prospects. Hey, Brian, final thing for you. And uh, this one, a little bit off the beaten path, but I was up to 19 commitments now in the recruiting class. It feels like they're not completely done. There's always going to be guys that emerge in, in their senior seasons. And I was always done a good job of, of finding those guys late in the recruiting process. But in this new era, with the transfer portal, what Iowa did this past season with NIL and the Hawkeye Collective, the Swarm, and what they were able to do getting Cade McNamara and Eric Gall from Michigan, going out and getting Nick Jackson from Virginia, getting a couple of offensive linemen. I mean, they really plugged in some gaps, and maybe the biggest one is Caleb Brown and getting him out of Ohio State. Right. I mean, they have gone out there and really filled it in. Don't you have to be a little bit careful now of the way that you're recruiting at the high school level, knowing that you can transform your roster, you can fill in those gaps, and you got to keep scholarships open. You do, uh, but I also think that no matter how you recruit and how well you look at things from a social fit, and Iowa probably does that as well as any program in the country, kids are going to leave because they want to play. Quarterback in particular, I don't care what you tell a kid, they're not playing by the end of their second year. There's a really high chance they're leaving. So the volatility aside, you're going to have spots. So Iowa's always been a redshirt and develop program, even under Hayden Fry it was. That's not going to change now. For the most part, they need to be that, especially in the trenches, linebacker, et cetera. If they want to take portal kids at corner or receiver or running back in particular safety, jump on down. Those are going to be the spots. And, you know, if you can get a D tackle, those are hard to find. It needs to be selective recruiting out of the portal because they're they're a build from within program. And I don't think you want to mess up chemistry too much. I have stories I can't really share, but there are a few programs that have been very NIL heavy that aren't mm -hmm. doing well internally because kids aren't getting what they thought they were getting sure. and they're suddenly hurt at these programs. So you got to be careful what you ask for. No, that's interesting too. And it's a conversation that we've had here on lockdown Hawkeyes about that part of it, because Iowa a developmental program and you put in the work, you do it the right way. You're going to play by the time you're a junior season, junior, senior, and, and those kind of things. Well, now you're play, plugging in those holes with guys that haven't gone through the process. They haven't gone through it. If things go poorly, you get off to a rough start, you lose a couple of games you don't feel. This is something Kirk Ferentz hasn't had to deal with before. Well, Iowa fans wouldn't know either. Like if the Iowa fans knew some of the garbage that goes on at like the SEC, ACC programs in terms yeah. of these kids and what their handlers want and they change the deal and all this stuff. I mean, it's I, I can't wait for somebody to go to jail. It's to that point, like literally. Some of these people have bad, bad influences around them. And it can happen in Chicago or anywhere else too, but it's pretty, it's pretty bad down here in the South. And I always stayed away from that for the most part. And it's one of the reasons that even though they don't recruit like Georgia, I mean, that's a whole nother planet. They can still be competitive with most teams because their chemistry is incredible without it. They'd be in a lot of trouble. So yeah, I did. They just have to be selective with the portal. And when they do like this year, like you said, they brought in guys that are going to start. Yeah, That's fine. You get a middle linebacker. That's got like three years experience. Yeah. You got to, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> Sometimes it's not very hard. Don't, don't make it too complicated. And the good news is, from everything that we've heard, we've heard from a lot of these transfers already. Uh, they've been available a couple of times this summer. It feels like they definitely, it was a fit. It wasn't just going out and finding talent. It was about guys that they seem like Hawkeyes already. I think Nick Jackson, coming in for Virginia, three-year starter there, he definitely feels like he's that kind of guy that's going to come in there. Big shoes to fill in Jack Campbell's, but... He's going to look a little different out there, too. A, he's going to be wearing a single digit. And secondly, he's not 6'5", 255. Not middle, many middle linebackers like that anymore, though, you see in the recruiting trail, do you? No, no. You, those guys put their hand in the dirt. But, yes, uh, they do. 
the kid that they brought in is going to be able to cover better. It's going to probably fit the spread offenses they're going against. He'll plug and play, and Iowa will be better for it. Brian, always enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much. I know you got a busy afternoon in front of you. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Have a good one. That's Brian Smith joining us here, our Locked On Recruiting Analyst on the Locked On Network. Always great stuff from him as we talk a little recruiting. Wrapping things up on the other side, some more Hawkeye news and Big Ten news. Fitz is out at Northwestern. We'll talk about that and its impact in the Big Ten West when we continue Locked On Hawkeye. Trent kind of back with you one final time here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Well, the big news in college football and certainly in the Big Ten is the firing of Pat Fitzgerald, a guy that Hawkeye fans know incredibly well, dating back to his time as a player, the middle linebacker for those Northwestern teams that came onto the scene, and they did it. One of the ways that they did it was beating Iowa. That was something that Coach Barnett looked at and said, yes, this is how we're going to do it. This is the team that we're going to try to emulate. Look, we're never going to be Michigan. We're never going to be Ohio State, but Iowa, a successful program that we think we can get to. And that's what they worked on. And when they were able to do that, a couple of tough games in there, Iowa really, really, even in a down year, had an opportunity to beat that Northwestern team that went to Rose Bowl, if memory serves quick, but correct. But in that game, Fitz went down. I believe it was Chad Deal, the offensive lineman, that hit him what... Coach Fitz believed was a dirty play. And he has carried that grudge now, well, almost 30 years later. It has hung with him. He wasn't able to play in the Rose Bowl because of that injury, and it's something that's lingered. And when he took over after the unfortunate passing of Coach Walker, he right away went right back to the well, and it was about beating Iowa. And that was something, and he's done it incredibly well. You think of the times that Iowa left division championships on the table, and it was because of a loss to Northwestern. Of course, we remember back to the 2019. Runner long, undefeated, comeback victories all over the place. Ricky Stancy goes down in the end zone, and Iowa not able to get it done against the Wildcats. There were so many of those instances. And from an Iowa perspective, look at this as a good thing. Two years ago, in 2020, when Iowa got off to the 0-2 start, it was losses to Purdue and Northwestern. Northwestern's not very good. Northwestern's not going to be very good this season. But from an Iowa perspective, getting him away from the Big Ten West and what he's been able to do, Getting away from Iowa, that's not a bad thing. He's had so much success throughout the time, and it certainly is going to change things. And one interesting nugget about this that I do wonder about is what direction do they turn? Do they go right away and try to find a head coach? Do they go after a coach from the MAC, go after you know that mid-major, if you will, that group of five program, and try to bring in a coach right away to salvage this season? Do you just go interim? And their defensive coordinator who just came in from North Dakota State was named their interim coach to go that direction. Do you use this as just a big lead up with new athletic director there, along with the new school of president? And we can do our due diligence. We can look through and really find the best candidate and make that hire in late November, early December. And we can be out in front of everybody as well. As things continue to change and evolve and we see more coaches come onto the scene, you go that direction. Another way that you could go is a guy like Paul Chris and make him a one-year interim coach and go that direction and bring somebody in that's an adult, somebody that's been a head coach before, and see if they can right the ship for a season. And if they do a good job of that, then you, excuse me, you can do something where you go out there and he becomes the full-time head coach. A lot of different directions, something to keep an eye on, as we are still a couple of weeks away from Big Ten football media days. Big 12 media days will be starting up 
uh, here in just a little bit. It is crazy just how quickly time flies through the summer as we sit here towards the middle of July and getting ready for the end of the season. Get the camps leading up after Big 12 media, Big 10 media days into August camp and away we go. Football, it is in the air. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Network. We got you covered each and every day talking Iowa Hawkeyes with you. Coming up on the show for you every day or tomorrow, it's a throwback Thursday. And that means we will take a look back at some of the great Iowa football teams. Hey, I haven't made a choice yet of what we're going to do. So the last two weeks, we've done my two favorite football teams, uh, teams of Hawkeye lore. 2002 Iowa football and the 1986-87 basketball team. You got a suggestion? Hit me up on Twitter at Trent Condit. You can also find us at Lockdown Iowa. Hit me up there or on the comment section on YouTube if you're there. Give me your thoughts, who you'd like to see spotlighted tomorrow on Lockdown Hawkeyes in our throwback Thursday edition. We'll do that and a whole lot more. Plenty of football talk coming your way as we make our way through the summer. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks.